right, welcome to the Redemption Stories podcast. My name is Paul Vanderveer. Today, my co-host is Brett Hartman, and our guest is Adam Rainwater. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're glad you're here, man. Um, Adam is one of the members of our staff. He's our worship pastor at Lakewood Christian Church. And um, because of everything going on with COVID-19, um, we kind of had a halt to our podcast schedule, and we didn't want to have it last too much longer. And so we decided that we would start sharing the stories of our staff. And so Adam has graciously uh, agreed to be the first one on the chopping block, as it were. So Adam has uh, come to share his story. Um, Let's see, Adam, first let's start with the basics. How old are you? I am 33. 33 years old, and you are married? Yes. We've been married, oh gosh, nine years. You passed that one. (laughs) (laughs) Nine years. And you have a son. Yes, Everett. He just turned six. Great. And Adam, you are, uh, like, like we've said, you're the worship pastor here at Lakewood. And uh, a lot of us came to just start knowing you this past year. True. Um, I got to talk with you a little bit through our interview process and going through those things. So I got to hear some of your story. But really, uh, we're really excited that we get to hear kind of your whole story of how you came to have a saving faith in Jesus. So take it away. All right. Well, I wasn't really raised uh, going to church. Uh, I was probably about 12 or 13 years old, and I had a group of friends uh, that just started working on me, inviting me to church. And uh, uh, I think I finally just gave in to them. I'm like, sure, okay. And so I'd always go on Wednesday nights, would never go on Sunday morning. Um, and I remember uh, one Sunday afternoon, I'm just hanging out at home, and I get a call, and it's my friends <clears throat> inviting me to uh, kind of a youth service that Sunday night. And uh, I'm like, yeah, okay, well, it's not Sunday morning, so sure. Uh, my thing with Sunday morning was I wanted to sleep in twice over the weekend. That was big to me at that point. Uh, so anyways, I go to this uh, youth service, and previously before this, I'd had all these friends asking me, like, when are you going to get saved, Adam? When's that going to happen? I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't even really know what that means. Did you, ever, did you ever have one of those come up to you and just say, like, hey, Adam, if you died tonight, you know, like that kind of setup? There was a lot of that. And there was a lot of that in the youth group, too. Like a lot of the Kirk Cameron left behind. I want to say we watched one of those. So, yeah, that was a, that was a big part of it. If you were to die tonight, Adam, do you know where you would spend eternity? I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know what that means, like, as <laughs> a 12-year-old. Yeah, because we really want to scare you into loving Jesus. Exactly. You know, that's... So, so yeah, anyways, uh, uh, I go on the Sunday night. It, uh, it's, a, it's a youth service. There's a, uh, a band there. There's a guest speaker. And um, towards the end of the service, the pastor goes, if you love Jesus, raise your hand. So I raise my hand. And then he goes, if you have given your life to God, if you've invited uh, Jesus to be in your heart and you are saved, put your hand down. And so I'm like, oh, I haven't made that decision. And so my hand is still in the, I think mine was the only one still in the air. It was almost like this was the time. Like, I don't remember walking down front. I just was suddenly up front. And so I prayed this prayer to, you know, give my life to God and everything. So after I made uh, the decision to, uh, you know, and invite Jesus to my heart, make him the boss of my life, however you want to want to phrase it. Um, it seriously took me a good, like two, three years to understand what that meant. And I don't think I fully understood it. Um, but I do remember during this time, this is 
13, 14, 16, 17, you know, all up in those years. Uh, I remember I'd gotten into pornography and I had gotten into it pretty extensively. And then um, there was always a cycle with pornography. Like I would watch it and then afterward I would feel just horrible, just destroyed. And I'd always run back to God like, God, I'm so sorry. Like, forgive me. And so this was the cycle, and it happened over and over and over until one point I watched pornography, and then there was nothing. I didn't feel bad. And I remember it, it freaked me out because I didn't feel bad, like, at all, like none whatsoever. And so I remember praying. I'm like, God, help me to feel bad about this because I don't. I don't feel bad at all. And I can't remember if it was the next day or later that night. I just remember I was reading my Bible. I was in Hebrews chapter 10, and I came across this verse, Hebrews 10, 26. And it says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, then no more sacrifice for sins is left. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I've been, I've been abusing <laughs> this relationship with you, God, um, this is horrible. Like, uh, I'm, I'm living this way, this secret life, and then I'm trying to be a Christian, you know, kind of on the outside, and it's not m- matching up, and then I'd finally reached a point where I didn't feel bad at all, and I'm abusing you, God. Uh, so that's when the real relationship with God uh, started. It, it changed uh, my prayer life. Uh, it changed me, you know, stop treating God like... Uh, almost this cosmic genie of, God, I'm going to come to you for forgiveness, and you're going to forgive me, and then that's it. It turned into my prayer life was more of a conversation of, hey, God, this is going on. It was it was deeper. It was more intimate. And uh, yeah. After that, uh, I began to play the bass guitar, started playing that in church, and that led to different opportunities. And um, through college, I... Uh, got involved in a, uh, a camp called Camp Hudgens, which became Cross Timbers. And uh, that was working with kids third through sixth grade. And so I'm like, man, God's calling me into children's ministry. And so I started working under a children's pastor uh, when I was at UCO in Edmond. And I uh, was like, yeah, God is calling me to full-time children's ministry. And so I began to put my resume out there. And then I got called to be a children's pastor and I was a children's pastor for about four years, and probably... Wow, I I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah, four years. And towards the end of that four years, uh, everything was going well, and then I started to feel this this unrest, like a deep, deep, like, soul unrest. And I'm like, what is happening? And, you know, I had some friends like, I think you should do some soul searching, Adam, because I think God might be calling you to do music full-time. And I'm like, what? Really? Okay. Uh, now I'd always done music. I'd led worship at different places, different events and stuff like that. And so just through a lot of soul searching, a lot of spending time with God and prayer, um, like get, that's what God was calling me to do. And so I began to see what opportunity was out there. And then uh, I had a church hire me as their full-time worship pastor. And it was exciting because I'm like, you know, just through all my soul searching, I'm like, this is what I was made to do. Like, I was doing children's ministry, but it wasn't what I was made to do. It wasn't like my my passion. It's like my true passion had finally been realized and, and unlocked. And so that was really exciting. Uh, and things were going well 
as a worship pastor. Uh, I'm doing what I love. We're putting a band together. It's getting exciting. And then I remember the first moment of kind of the unraveling there uh, at this church I was at. Uh, We were going to a staff retreat, and it was kind of revealed that um, the church was not going in a more modern direction. It wasn't going more uh, contemporary, so to speak, you know, newer songs and stuff like that, that they were just going to kind of stay where they were. And, you know, that really wasn't a part of the process. And kind of a little bit of backstory, when I was hired at the church, that was a main selling point to me. Like, Adam, we're looking for someone who who does what you do. Like, we want, you know, the newer stuff. We, you know, still want some of the older hymns and things like that. But we really, we're trying to push forward. I'm like, oh man, that's exciting because that's what I do. And then so to hear that from the pastor I'm working with was was kind of earth shattering. Like, okay, um, not quite what I signed up for, but then, you know, I, I felt like that's, this is where God wanted me. Uh, and even Madeline and I remember us talking at that time, like, no, this is where God has called us to be. And so I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'll, I'll figure this out. And then, uh, some more problems, uh, happened. And anyways, the pastor ends up leaving. And I was at this church without a pastor for, a year. And it was, it was a really rough year. It was, it was hard. Um, the church made the decision they weren't going to get an interim pastor, but instead the youth pastor was going to kind of step up and kind of fill that role just temporarily. And, uh, so as you can imagine, uh, we were the only two on staff. So we just, we took a lot during that year and not to go into all of it, but there, there were just a lot of things that happened. And so it was just a really hard year. And during this year, I experienced just the only way I can describe it is just pure burnout. Just, just so tired and not a tired that you can get rid of by taking a nap. Like your soul is tired. That's Mm -hmm. where I was. And so that was during that year. And then, so they hire a new pastor and I don't know if you've met people like this, but there are some people that you just don't connect with. I, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's bad. They're just people that you just don't connect with for whatever reason, whether, you know, they're in a different walk of life or some people you should get along with on paper, like this should be your best friend, (laughs) but you just don't connect with them. And this was this pastor. And so you can imagine uh, what kind of problems that caused. And so I worked with him for about a year. And of course we had problems because we just weren't on the, the same page. And then... During that year, I have this unrest in my soul again. Like, okay, like, God, what's going on? What are you, what are you saying? Uh, is, it, is it time to go? Like, w- w- what's going on? And so I began to pray, and then I told Madeline kind of what was going on, my wife. And, you know, my prayer to God at the beginning was, God, if you want us to go somewhere else or do something, like, you have to... Uh, have Madeline be on board with it. Like you have to speak to her as well as speak to me. Cause we're from, if we're not on the same page, like this isn't going to work. And so that was constantly my prayer. And all throughout that time, I would periodically, you know, like Madeline, you know, are you still praying? She's like, yeah, I'm still praying. I'm like, well, what do you think God's saying? She goes, I just don't feel like it's time yet. And I'm like, okay, well, let's keep praying. Cause I really feel like God's trying to say something right now. And so we keep praying, we keep praying, and then kind of a year passes, and uh, Madeline and I are talking, and she's like, I think it's time. I think, I think it's time to go. I'm like, oh, 
okay. And then, you know, some other things kind of confirmed that. And uh, I resigned from this church. And the scary thing was, had nothing in front of me, like no job opportunities, like God hadn't revealed like, hey, go to this church or, you know, no opportunities were in front of me. And so I'm like, okay, I was, uh, I was scared to death to resign from a church and have nothing. And so I did that. And the church was kind enough to give me three months severance. And then they also allowed us to live in the parsonage, which is a house provided by the church for us to live in for those three months. So I go to God in prayer and I'm like, God, we have three months and there is nothing. There's literally nothing. Uh, what are you doing? <laughs> Takes a major leap of faith for sure. Yes. Like, oh my goodness. And so uh, I wish I could tell you I was the good Christian and I never lost the faith, but there were some very angry prayers during that time. I remember like, God, what are you doing? Like, this doesn't make sense. Like, you realize we have three months to go, but I, I never stopped praying. Like, that was my thing. I'm, I'm never going to just, you know, throw everything away. I'm going to keep, you know, pressing into God because I really truly felt like there was something happening during this. Oh, obviously, there was something happening. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a job anymore. And so, I just kept pushing. I kept trying. And then I had a friend... Uh, suggest to me to talk to a Christian counselor. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to talk to a counselor. I don't want to pay someone to, you know, kind of tell my problems to. And he's like, I really think you should consider it. So I'm like, all right. And so I go to Madeline and I'm like, hey, I had this friend who had this weird, bizarre mm-hmm. idea that I should talk to a Christian counselor, thinking she's going to totally blow it off and be like, oh, that's, no, don't do that. But she's like, yeah, I think that that sounds like a really good idea. Like, wow, really? Okay. <laughs> so well, that backfired on me. Exactly. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I guess I'm going to talk to a counselor now. <laughs> and so uh, I talk with this counselor. We have about six sessions, you know, kind of spread out over uh, a long period of time. And uh, just within counseling, uh, he kind of brought up tact, you know, kind of how you say things. And he's like, Adam, I feel like that might be, you know, uh, a problem for you. And of course, you know, your first thought is like, you don't know me. You don't know my life. And then I remember ending the, the, the session with him and like, what is he even talking about? Like tact. And, but then as I began to process and look over the course of my life and kind of the problems I'd had with different people and like that was always a part of it was kind of how I communicated. And so I'm like, all right, well... I guess there's uh, something to this. And I remember I told Madeline this, and she's like, I've been saying this for years. I'm like, are you kidding? And did you find that while you were uh, in this period of kind of spiritual darkness, really, I mean, this kind of valley season of your life, uh, and you were praying these prayers that were kind of angry, which, I mean, we know, like, reading the Psalms, like, there's a lot of angry prayers in the Psalms. I mean, I don't think God's offended when we come to him and we're upset and sometimes when we're questioning. Um, but at the same time, did you find whenever you were having these times of just like pouring your soul out and kind of despair to God, uh, that, it, that you experienced a spiritual depth that maybe wasn't there when you thought everything was going well? I would say so. Uh, cause I, I remember during this time, uh, you know, it felt like I, I almost had nothing. Like, I know that's kind of dramatic, but 
uh, that's how I felt. I'm like, God, it's me and you. And, uh, you know, almost in a way, I'm like, even God's failing me right now because he's not revealing where he wants me to go. And, oh, yeah, I just remember the angry prayers. And I remember hearing, uh, this was in a song, it kind of talked about he's the author of the questions. And just this thought of, like, maybe God is the author of all of the questions, like even the doubting questions, because if we seek out what is really true, those questions are going to lead back to Him. And so, yeah, I think my faith was, was deepened in a huge way. I remember... You know, I'd have these these angry times. Uh, I remember it'd be late at night, too. And I remember I always went to uh, a cemetery uh, there where I lived because it was just quiet and there was no one there. Because that's and, not freaky at all. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> uh, and I remember just, like, I remember just shouting at, at God, like, just screaming. And then, you know, a while later, it's like I would have this peace and this this, this assurance that God's like, I- I'm working it out. Like it, it's taking time. It's it's going to take time, but I'm working it out. I like that. And I mean, the more you read scripture, the more you kind of see like God's promises do take time. And for you, um, if I'm not mistaken, pretty close to right after you went through that period, you got to see God kind of deliver on that a little bit. Yes. Uh, like I've said, you know, we've talked about this before, but uh, remember you know, three months, like the pressure's on, nothing's happening. And we're getting down to the last month. Like, we're, we're like, something needs to happen. <laughs> and uh, I remember, you know, Madeline and I, you know, tossing around all ideas. At that point, it, it's all ideas. Like, okay, well, maybe God doesn't want me to be in ministry anymore. So let's think about that. And I remember every time I would start to think that way, it's like I would hit this mental, just dead end. Like, like, okay, like, I can't even process this any further. So then I would get a little bit more frustrated. Like, now I can't even just do my own thing. God, what do you want? And then shortly after that, it turned into just trust, just this deep trust of, all right, God, I don't know what you're going to do, but you're, you're going to take care of me. And then uh, I had this friend send me a link. It's like, have you thought about this church, uh, Lakewood Christian Church in McAllister? And I'm like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'll send him my resume. We'll see what happens. And then from the very first moment talking to the uh, the hiring company, uh, like it was on a fast track. Like things just were happening. And one conversation after another. And then before I know it, I'm here in McAllister and I'm I'm meeting you, Paul, and I'm meeting Brett and I'm meeting, you know, people in the church and then before long we've we've moved to McAllister. And and the crazy thing to me was the very first day I started here at Lakewood was the very last day of my severance. <laughs> like to the day. Well, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of God showing off there, really. It is, yes. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I mean, not only that, but, you know, I get the call from Greg, who was, uh, he's the CEO of Shepherd Staff, which is the company we used, um, and, you know, he had talked specifically to you, Adam, and but he called me, who then says, uh, hey, I've got this guy, Adam, and um, he's the most self-aware person that I may have ever interviewed, <laughs> and I didn't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> right, oh, yeah. <laughs> it was just one of those things of, okay, so he's very self-aware, um, and he told me like that you had sought counseling, uh, and that, that had helped you to kind of go down this road. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
So it was one of those things that whenever I uh, finally got you on the phone, um, I was I was thrilled to see your heart. And then when I got to talk to you and Madeline through a video chat, um, I was thrilled to see her support and her love of you. Mm. Um, and really, whenever you came in, you know, that's the thing that has stuck out to me time and time again for you, which is you have a heart for the church and you absolutely love the idea of leading people in worship before God. Yes. And that's that's the heart behind what you do. You're not about the show at all, and I really appreciate that about you. And one of the biggest concerns when Anne-Marie was leaving wasn't, and I heard this from a lot of congregants, and I'm sure you did too, Paul, um, it wasn't, we weren't worried about replacing talent, we were worried about replacing the heart, because Anne-Marie had such a big heart for the church, for worship. I think that God definitely knew what he was doing when he led Adam here, and then led us to Adam as well, because the heart is is very amazing, very, you just see it. Um, and hearing, you know, your side of the, the story, how God orchestrated things. So, you know, it's just like a puzzle piece. Yeah. Last piece of the puzzle getting placed in perfectly. Oh my goodness. It was a journey. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too, because, uh, you know, we, we're thrilled that you're on our staff, but, uh, you know, we've seen, you've kind of told us your story, you know, how, you know, you experience God at a, at a fairly young age, but then how, like with a, kind of a story that's pretty common, uh, it, it hit a point where he became real and started to make actual changes in your life. And that kind of led you down this path of arriving at your calling. Um, and so, and we also, we talked about your heart and the things that we saw in you that was obviously God doing, but I'd also like to know, um, whenever you think about worship, you know, because I mean, that's that's the calling on your life. And when you think about worship and the worship of the church, uh, what do you see as like the church worshiping at its best? Yeah, I had a pastor tell me once, uh, and this kind of goes along with that. Like sometimes your time with the Lord is as sweet as honey; like you just can't get enough. And then other times it's like medicine. And so you have those moments where. Like, God, you should be praised. You should be worshiped right now, but I'm just not feeling it. But I know this is what you've called me to do. This is what I was made to do. And so maybe that's the medicine point. So sometimes the more difficult times in worship turn out to be the more true times of real worship. Well, Adam, thanks for sharing your story. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Redemption Stories podcast. If you have a story that you would like to share with us, please, we want to hear your story. We want to record your story. Uh, please send an email to info at lakewoodok.com.